Episode 1, Anticipate Your Patients' Questions. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, and today, you're hearing Dr. Jonathan Ledette's perspective. For doctors who want a thriving practice and abundant home life, listen as your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, goes behind the curtain and interviews doctors and guests about real-world triumph, struggles, practical tips, and entertainment on this episode of A Doctor's Perspective. Welcome to the first episode of A Doctor's Perspective. I'm not going to rehash what was just said on the intro, but I want you to remember, we're going to have a wide variety of doctors on this show, and I want you guys and gals to critically think about what's said so that you can apply it to your clinic. There's a reason why coaches coach and successful business people write books so that you can avoid the mistakes and jump straight to the successes. My first guest is Dr. Jonathan Ledette, dermatologist. First, we'll kind of talk about education and background, then practical advice for some skincare, marketing, student advice, relationship advice. And near the end of the interview, he'll talk about anticipating your patient's questions so that you can train your staff to handle these objections before they even come up. After the episode, stay tuned for the travel tip. If you follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, you notice that I've traveled a good bit especially in Asia, since I live in China right now, and I wanted to share some fun tips. You can find all of today's show notes at adoctorsperspective.net slash zero one. Without further ado, let's get into the interview. We have a very special guest today, Dr. Jonathan Ledette, MD, dermatologist, board certified, fellowship trained. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Justin. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity to be on your podcast. So to begin with, let people know a little bit about, about your background, some of your schooling, uh, you know, all those types of things. Well, as you know, uh, I'm from Brobridge, Louisiana, a little town in uh, south central Louisiana, uh, about 120, uh, 120 miles uh, west of New Orleans. Uh, so I'm the oldest of four, uh, you know, went to uh Spent most of my life in Brobridge. I uh, had a little bit of time where I was younger. I uh, was in Brobridge and Cecilia, which is adjacent. Uh, so, you know, from Brobridge, went to Brobridge High, uh, stayed local, went to University of Louisiana at Lafayette to uh, get my uh, degrees in, I uh, got one in chemistry and one in microbiology. Uh, so, go Raging Cajuns. That was, uh, they're near and dear to my heart. And, uh, you know, I think uh, it's a fantastic uh, university. Uh, so graduated from there, graduated on an off semester in December, which was nice. Uh, and I had, uh, you know, I had like six months off, man. It was awesome. Uh, while I was my time at uh, ULL at University of Louisiana Lafayette, uh, also known as ULL, I, uh, you know, didn't know what I was going to do for a while. I thought about getting a PhD in chemistry. But uh, yeah, since you and I go way back, uh, I uh, thought that medical school would be better for my personality so I wouldn't be confined to the lab uh, and thereby drive the people in my lab crazy. Uh, so I thought that I'd be better at helping people and, uh, and doing things like that. Okay. Where'd you go to med school? Ah, medical school. Went to went up north to Shreveport, Louisiana. You know, funny story about that. So I went to, I picked Shreveport over New Orleans because I was very scared. Uh, I don't like hurricanes, right? And 
I said, one day, you know, a hurricane's going to just come and wipe the whole city out. I don't think living below sea level is, is something that you, that you could do. It's nice. So, New Orleans, nice place to visit. Don't want to live there. And uh, next year, Katrina happened, man. Uh, and that, you know, that was obviously sad for our state, uh, the great state of Louisiana. But, um, you know, I went to I went to LSU. Uh, it's LSU Health Sciences Center now in Shreveport. Got my MD from there. And then uh, they successfully uh, matched in the residency in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. Very nice. Oh, I have a friend. He was doing med school at their same time, went to New Orleans. Katrina hit. They lived on like a casino boat in Baton Rouge and finished their school. So that would have been like worst case scenario for yeah. you right there. Well, there was there was all kind of, <laughs> yeah, actually there was all kind of setups. Uh, some people went to Tulane. Uh, you know, a few people went to Tulane. A few people went to, uh, you know, had got picked up by other schools across the country. So there was, a, you know, an outpouring of help. But can you imagine, you That's know, awesome. you yeah, that is that is great. You know, our, our country does come together whenever there is a time of crisis. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just glad I didn't have to really live through that. Um, by the time Katrina got to me in Shreveport, Louisiana, it was a tropical storm. There we go. All right, so you went to University of Alabama, Birmingham. No, no, no. Yeah, that's right. Okay, you went there. How was... How was residency? Did it prepare you to get your fellowship? And how did, how did that work for you? What, what was your specialty, I guess, in, in fellowship? So, uh, so, all right, so I did two fellowships. So I did a, um, a research uh, fellowship where I uh, helped with some of the latest cl- clinical trials. And that, those are, the clinical trials are very uh, important. They help, uh, you know, shepherd new medications into uh, the forefront uh, so I worked on psoriasis, I uh, think some of the, the drugs you uh, may have heard of today. I got to work on Stellara, which is also known as Eustachinumab. Uh, I worked on uh, Cosentix, uh, which is one, one of the newer drugs. Um, some of the more famous drugs you may have heard of are Humira. We had a trial with Humira. We had a trial with uh, Inbrel. Uh, so anyway, just helping people. Uh, battled their psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis and things like that. I uh, also worked on a number of tonal fungus drugs. Overall, it was a g- fantastic experience. Worked with a, uh, a fantastic person named uh, Dr. Bonnie Aluski. Uh, you know, she's past president of the American uh, Academy of Dermatology. And uh, she's wow. done a lot for the specialty. She's a nail fungus guru, just known worldwide. That's pretty cool. Secondly, the after research fellowship, I did residency there. Uh, did three years of residency there. I also did my intern year in uh, in Birmingham, Alabama. Did my re- after research year, did residency at UAB. It was fantastic. I thought uh, they have a fantastic program. Uh, prepared me well for everything that walks in the door in my day to day practice. And from residency, I went on to do a fellowship with uh, Dr. Brett Coldiron, uh, who's also another, uh, you know, another pretty famous dermatologist. Uh, he's been past president of the American Academy of Dermatology, American College of Most Surgery, and has also done a lot to advance our uh, specialty in terms of uh, payer reform, things like that, uh, and, and helping uh, keep dermatologists honest. Uh, so did my fellowship in Cincinnati, Ohio at TriHealth. Uh, and it was fantastic. Uh, in Mohs Micrographic Surgery, uh, the actual name of the fellowship is called Micrographic Surgery and Dermatologic Oncology. So what's the brief version of mole surgery? Mohs, not, not mole. Uh, Mohs Surgery. Not mole, yeah. yeah, M-O-H-S, <laughs> name for the, uh, the great Frederick Mohs who uh, pioneered uh, this technique. Uh, so basically what Mohs surgery is, is it's a way to remove skin cancer where we um, 
remove skin cancer, number one, it's clear whenever you leave the office. We do it in office safely uh, without general anesthesia. And we uh, excise a specimen. That specimen goes to our lab where it gets uh, cut processed, uh, stained, and then we analyze it under a microscope looking for cancer. And that's one of the, the key things that the fellowship does is you work under the tutelage of a mentor and it helps uh, prepare you to make sure that you know uh, what you're looking at under the microscope as well as obviously residency does that. Uh, you get dermatologists, we get a lot of pathology in our uh, residency training. So after that, uh, we remove, you know, you may have heard it mentioned as layers we take a layer at a time if uh, an area were to be positive or the whole thing was positive we'd go back and we quote take another layer after doing that uh you know we go you, the specimen goes back to the lab again after going in the lab same process gets we analyze it under a microscope and you do that until it's clear and after it's clear we reconstruct the uh, patient as uh you know to make them look aesthetically pleasing okay when would i go see you Versus going to just the general practitioner, you know, they can, would they cut off something just like you or what? Okay. So, uh, I have a saying in the office, uh, that if you have a heart problem, you should see the cardiologist. If you have a car problem, you see the mechanic. And if you have a skin problem, you come see me, the dermatologist, uh, the board certified dermatologist and most surgeon. So if you were to be diagnosed with a skin cancer, most surgery, uh, we don't use it on every skin cancer. We use it on uh, the head and neck, predominantly the hands, the feet, the genitalia. Uh, and we use that so that way we can conserve skin and we can give people uh, a cosmetically pleasing result. You know, people, your skin is your representation to the world and people want to... Uh, obviously not have people stare at them like why do you have a big scar on your face or, or something like that so if you were to get biopsied with right. something if you were to get a skin cancer biopsy you would come see me uh and i would talk to you i'd say you know dr trosclair what we're going to do is we're going to anesthetize the area uh we try to use non-technical terms when we're in the office but we're going to anesthetize the area so make it numb uh, we let that sit for a few minutes so that can take effect we cut it out and then proceed with the process i described earlier okay now for there's a lot of doctors, we see skin. You might be an eye doctor and you notice something on their lip. You might be a physical therapist or a chiropractor. Uh, you see something on their leg, a rash. What's the best way to, you know, you can ask, we can ask the patient, hey, have you had this looked at before? Maybe you should get it checked out. Or is there, what's kind of the, some of the signs that we should say, definitely you need to go. Not maybe you should go, but you definitely need to go this week to the dermatologist? Well, I think uh, things that are, are painful, that have been uh, things that don't heal, uh, areas that have been present for an extended period of time, they bleed on their own. They may bleed when you just uh, wipe them softly. Uh, and I think uh, those would be areas that need attention. Uh, also, more uh, importantly, it doesn't have to bleed. It can Melanoma, uh, you may have heard of the ABCDEs of melanoma. That's A for asymmetry, you know, uh, what does it look like if you cut it in half? Does one side look the same? B for borders. Are the borders nice and smooth? Or are they notched and scallop? Are they irregular? C for color. You know, is it is it a uniform color? Is the color nice and smooth? Or is it dark? Uh, are there some areas where, you know, you have some black pigment? That's not, uh, that's something you want to get looked at. D for diameter, we say if it's over six millimeters, which is the size of pencil rates, you want to get looked at. Uh, and E for evolution. So, that E was added uh, a few years back, E for evolution. So did it change? Has it changed in the last few years? So I think it's okay. important if you notice anything during your physical exam to send them, send them to the person that does it. It's just like, you know, when a patient comes in, 
uh, Justin into my office and they say, Dr. Ledette, can you please look at my ankle? And I say, excuse me, is there something wrong with the skin on your ankle? And they say, no. And I say, well, I'm sorry. You're going to need to see somebody that looks at ankles because I can't help you. Send them over. Okay. So maybe one more question about the business of the, uh, the, the practice of dermatology and then we'll move on to the other part of the more like marketing and, and growth and success in, in family life. So let's go with People spend so much money on face creams. There's a commercial every other day. What are we looking for? Cream, a lotion, is there a special ingredient? Do we need to spend $100 on a bottle or can we spend five? Like what, what's the deal? What do you recommend the easiest? What, well, what are we looking for? You know, I will say that we have several products on the market that have fantastic marketing. And uh, I think, <laughs> I think uh, you know, some of those, product, those products do work. Uh, some of the things that they utilize are available in other products over the counter for, uh, I'm not gonna name any names, we don't wanna pick on anybody, but let's just say. I mean, I can adjust my own neck, but that's not saying I should. Right, exactly. So uh, I think, you know, if you if you need to get on a face regimen, or regimen, uh, it depends on what your complaint is. is are you suffering from your skin being dry? Well, if you're suffering from your skin being dry, a simple fix is let's use a cream instead of using a lotion. Because uh, creams are thicker, they hydrate better. Uh, you know, if you're suffering from acne, you know, get in, see the dermatologist, get on a program with something that'll help you that may or may not include prescription medications to get your acne clear. So like, uh, especially within the cosmetic area, a lot of ladies spend, um, you know, tons of money on products that contain retinol, uh, which is a derivative of uh, what we call tretinoin, or you may have heard of it as retin-A. That uh, a prescription for that is a hundred dollars and it'll last you three months, even if it's not covered by your insurance, versus spending a uh, hundred dollars a month on products X, Y, or Z. Okay, very good. What are some of the most common misconceptions about your profession? I would say that uh, one of the common misconceptions about dermatologists is that we don't work hard. Uh, people uh, they think uh, the dermatologists, you know, they think we all drive a Maserati, show up at work at ten, and are on the golf course by 3.30, which is just not the case. Uh, I have a lot of colleagues who work very hard and we provide a valuable service to uh, you know, the, our respective communities that we practice in. Do you find it, uh, so is there, a, is there like kind of a, not a bullying, but is there a joke or anything that other doctors, is that one of them like, nah, these guys are just, they're laid of back, course, don't do anything? the dermatologists, <laughs> we're not a, what, number one, I'm not a real doctor. Uh, you oh, know, me I'm neither. A, <laughs> I'm not. A, I'm not a. Real, I get paid like one. <laughs> that's, uh, uh, yeah, you know they already know the statistics, so I, you know, I don't need to bring that up with them. Uh, but you know they, uh, you know they, they, that's one thing that I say. Hey, well, I'm not a real doctor. Uh, I don't. Uh, they think we're just warts and acne, either, or, we, or we're just doing Botox. Uh, which, you know, if people want to get Botox and they want to help themselves uh, have a better appearance and improve their self-esteem, I'm all for it. We uh, support patients uh, with that. And if you're spending the money, you can do whatever you want to do. Uh, so I think, money. yeah, exactly. It's your money. So I think, uh, you know, like see the well, pimper poppers, right? It's like, Oh, the dermatologist, all they do is pop zits and you know, which is not a case, you know, we do surgery. And sometimes I tell my colleagues, I'm like, all right, well, I hope you get psoriasis and then you have to come see, oh, me. Man. you know what I mean? So <laughs> I hope you get it specifically in on your genitals. So that way you have to come see me, <laughs> then you'll, then you'll recognize I'm a real doctor. So anyway. Yeah. And you've told me some stories of the the size that some people come in with on their face, and you're like, ah. 
Well, it's yeah, going to be so, a challenge to close, but you have to do it. Right, exactly. So I'm in uh, Jonesboro, Arkansas at a fantastic place called uh, NEA Baptist Clinic. And this is a farming community, a rural community. Uh, we have about 70,000 uh, people, but that also includes, that's a, a little bit misleading because it includes uh, Arkansas State University, which is here. And uh, basically, you know, we have, anytime you're in a farming community, you know, if you're a farmer, you generally don't see the doctor until you absolutely have to because you're busy farming. People may not have known. Uh, so, I mean, I see these tumors that are just, you know, gigantic. They're, you know, the, they're, they're two and three times the size of things that I would normally see uh, when I was in residency or uh, in fellowship on a, on a regular basis. Right, right. All right, switch gears just a little bit here. What is your, what are some of your unique abilities, mindset, strategies that set you apart from, from others, would you say? Well, I think uh, one of the things that uh, that sets our office and our practice apart is that uh, we try to make sure that everybody has, you know, a five star experience. Uh, we, I think, in uh, that's a pretty generic term. Let's let's definitely uh, dive into that. Let's do that. Certainly. Uh, so, you know, like one of the things I think it's important to uh, know know who your audience is. You know, know your area of. Uh, know the area that you're servicing. I'm in a farming community. So, you know, I have to service people who have those particular needs. Um, we have to, you know, they want personable uh, service. They want service that's in non-technical terms. Like we have team meetings every week. We tell our, um, our front desk person, you know, we tell them you are really the most important. You're one of them. Everybody's important, but it all starts with you. If you don't have a smile on your face, if you they don't have a welcoming experience with you, then the rest of the visit is going to be it's going to be a struggle for us to get back to uh, providing that excellent experience. Because, you know, people don't necessarily remember everything that happened when they're at the visit. They, they just remember how you made them feel. It's like interviews, you know, if you unless it's recorded or something, people, when they interview you, you know, they have their interview notes, but they really just remember the feeling. And they're like, oh, I love this person. This person was great. I like them. They were energetic. Or, oh, that person was kind of, you know, I, I didn't feel good about them. I didn't have a good vibe about them. And, you know, we make a lot of decisions based on that. Right. So that's almost kind of like a marketing too for you. Right. So, and then, like I said, knowing your area is key. In this area, uh, a lot of people, since it's an older community, a farming community, we still we get the best response on the newspaper. If we run an ad in the newspaper, I mean the phones will just ring off the hook. You know, if if I was in uh, Austin, Texas, that might not be the case because it's a you know it's a younger community. Uh, you know, they may respond more to Facebook or or digital advertising. So I think newspaper right. for us number one, and uh, number two would probably be radio as a medium for bringing in patients for us. That shocks me. Newspaper and radio. That's like, the, I was in Denver and talk about just throwing some money. Whew. Hey, man. Wow. But it works for you. We still have Weston Sizzlin out here in Jonesboro, Arkansas. <laughs> so we're turning back the hands of time a little bit. You know, we're, we haven't uh, caught up to a lot of the digital revolution uh, that uh, other places have. Well, that's amazing. So that's your top two or three marketing strategies to get new patients and, and to keep them happy and everything. 
Yes, I think the, uh, you know, like okay. I said, the you, you really just have to know your area and what people respond to. Some of it may be uh, just kind of a hit and miss kind of thing. Or, you know, if you're fortunate and you can get with colleagues in a, uh, another area, either someone in a similar specialty, it, which is fantastic if a, a similar specialist is going to help you be successful. Or you find someone in that area who's successful and, and what uh, strategies they have done. So if a new person were coming to town, I would tell them, hey, you're, uh, the most bang for your buck is going to be... Uh, uh, in the newspaper because that would that just gets people that's how people communicate uh here that's how they find out about things and i think that would be um you know i think that would be yeah very good very good someone that's maybe just starting out deciding to do private practice hospital setting what are some practical steps that they could take to get where you are right now uh, okay, so that, those are that's uh, so those are different setups. So if you're gonna do uh, a hospital setting, I would say uh, get all the things that you would like done in place in writing, so that way you could be successful. Um, I find that promises of we will do this later for you or that later for you, those things may or may not come. Uh, you know, just to give you a quick quick story. So I was here for a year. Uh, I worked for my first year right after residency. Set everything up. You know, had a great working relationship uh, with uh, the people here. I, I still do. Um, but uh, the CEO at the time, uh, he is no longer here. And we had a lot of gentlemen, uh, gentlemen's agreements in place for when I returned. Well, I show back up and that gentleman's no longer here. So those agreements are no longer respected. So uh, so that's so if you're if you're going to be in, a, in an employed position, I would say, you know, you. Make sure that you get everything you want up front. Uh, talk to older dermatologists or other people in your specialty about what's important, what kind of things you want. You know, if they're giving you $3,000 for CME, is that practical? Uh, probably not. Whenever uh, you have specialty society dues that are $1,000 or, or $800, you know, okay. you may want more. Uh, if you're doing private practice, that's a different animal. I'm, uh, you can speak uh, to that better than I can, uh, having uh, owned not one but two successful uh, practices and opening that. So that's not uh, something that I could really speak ah. about too much. Thank you, sir. Now, what about the utensils? No, the surgical tools that you use, is that something that you can negotiate? Like, I really like the Cadillac version versus the right. Buick version. So or? you, I think if you're getting in an employ, if you're in private practice, uh, I think by and large, most people say you want to buy the best instruments. You really want the best instruments because okay. the best instruments usually have the longest shelf life. Uh, I mean, that doesn't mean you, you need, that does not mean you need to overspend on everything, but I would say you want to have high quality instruments uh, in our office. You know, we use uh, quality uh, instruments. We use, uh, instruments that have a lifetime warranty, we can send them back, they get sharpened and whatnot, and they were probably twice as expensive as some of the cheaper instruments, but uh, they they will last longer. They you know they can last a whole career. Uh, you can call, uh, you know, we use uh, Teeman instruments. Uh, you can call that company up and say, hey, excuse me, this is not, you know, this is not working correctly or this doesn't work for me, and, you know, they'll replace it or they'll service it uh, such that uh, they'll work out an agreement with you. So I would say, and I would say that with everything, if you're, if you're starting, uh, if you're either, whether it's an employed setting or for yourself, you want to get um, some of the best equipment because that equipment lasts longer. Uh, like exam chairs, in in my experience, the mid-mark exam chairs, you know, when you go to different dermatology offices, this is the reason you see mid-mark chairs that are 25, 30 years old. I mean, they just, 
They rarely wow. break. Uh, they rarely need service. Um, the Midmark reps tell me uh, when I talk to them at trade shows, they tell me, man, sometimes I just I wish our, our equipment was a little less reliable so I could sell some more of these things. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> now, that's an issue right, right there. They just brought in their line to some other professions. Right. Well, maybe. they actually have done that. So that you sent in that. So now that you mentioned that, what they do is uh, now they make uh, they make cabinetware. You know, so they they used to just make chairs, and now they have cabinetware. Like so, you can get mobile cabinets for your office. You can get. Um, autoclaves from them you can get a variety of different things so they really have uh created a niche in terms of uh office uh they have furniture now they have they've gone on to other things now you know uh as far as furniture goes, I have not used Benmark furniture. You know, is it better than Ikea? Well, I don't know. You know, so I think that's that's where you can start I to examine. To go there. Uh, can I save some money there? You know, what, what can I do? I have to get, I would get right. A-plus instruments, but what do I need to do on furniture? Oh, am I trying to keep the same furniture my whole career? Probably not. You know, so do I, can I get something that lasts five, ten years and then switch it out when you remodel, things like that, so. Save some money there, so you're not spending right. two million dollars so on the build out. Right. So there, there are things, and there are things that are easily, more easily done um, in the beginning. Like for instance, in our office, we have a call system, and uh, you know, I'm the only one in the whole clinic that has the system. But you know, I did not. I designed this particular system, but I got the idea from being at a practice management office where someone had. Uh, you know, one of these fancy systems that cost $10,000 to install. Well, ours, I could tell you, costs $106 in equipment. Uh, you know, so. Now, what is this? So basically, it's a call system. So all it is is, you know, I was able to talk to an electrician. We have a foot pedal on the floor. I can step on that pedal, and it's a, a chime that goes off for six seconds. And what that does is that alerts our team members on the outside of the door who are not in the uh, in the that exam room with me that we're I'm in need of something you know may I maybe I need a new in, another oh. instrument maybe I need um, I and I generally have a nurse or a, um, a pa- I call them patient care specialists uh, because we have some uh, certified medical assistants and some uh, licensed practical nurses uh, so I step on the light I step on the ch- um, on the pedal a light goes off a chime goes off and a light also goes off on the outside of that door uh, dermatology is a small office in hospitals you may see the similar system where there's a big led uh thing at the desk and, and whatnot but i mean when you have an office of you know 10 uh 10 or 11 exam rooms i have eight if you have a small office this will this will suffice they hear the chime they look for which light is on and then there's a reset button on on the outside of the light and i think that um i think that every office should have it at least that it, it comes in it's invaluable to me so you're not a big fan of the Screaming at the nurse, man. The door. That's what we had to do. It. Somebody's bleeding. Yes, that's what we had to do in residency. Excuse me, I need a nurse. Can I get a nurse? Uh, so, uh, you know, it's like you're you're. We got a right. So it's not it's not something that I I uh, I, I enjoy doing. I want to have a, a seamless experience for the patient. So, and I would say when you're starting your practice, make everything patient focused. If you were a patient, what would you like? Don't think about what you as the physician would like. What what will the patient like? I can tell you so many doctors are like that. I want this. I want this. I like this. And it's not about you in a sense. It really is. Like you said, it's about what the patient's going to experience so that when they're with their friends, they're like, hey, if you ever need to go to the dermatologist, I got this guy you can go to. It was an amazing experience. Right. Uh, Same kind of vein here is what would you advise a college kid who wants to 
do what you're doing is well the first thing i would tell a college student is you're a college student um i would say number one work hard um i would say that you need to get the best grades that you can get so that way i have you know i always say and i don't know if i heard this somewhere you know you read a lot of things so you never know did you come up with it or did you read it somewhere i probably read it somewhere but it you know i always tell my brothers you have to do what you're supposed to do so you can do what you want to do uh so meaning that if you work hard and you take care of business the rest of things will take care of itself um so if you're a college kid i would say you know enjoy college but uh, put the grades first, extra, extracurriculars, or just that, they're extra. So we need to make sure we take care of the curricula via curriculum uh, first before we worry about, uh, you know, the next step. So, and, uh, you know, I think that uh, having a pre-made plan is is not always the best of ideas uh, because you don't know necessarily at 18, you know, at 18 and 21 and 25, I was probably, I had, that's probably three different people really uh, because even though some of the, the things are the same, you just look at life a little bit different. So I would say Absolutely. for college students, make the best grades that you can. So that way all the doors are open to you and that way you can do what you want to do. Very good. Very good. All right. Just a couple more. Oh, what you got? Oh no, I was just going to say now if you're in med school and you're like, Hey, I made it to med school. I know I want to be a physician. Uh, so let's uh let's talk about uh you know what specialty i want to do then i would it, it's a little bit more applicable you're already in med school you you're down the path of being a physician so and then you're you know you're a second year med student and you're it's like hey i'm gonna have to pick after next year what i want to do yeah same thing applies if you got if you just got into med school make best grades possible that way everything's open to you and then after that you know you got to shadow people really because your experience that you have at your resident at your uh, in your day-to-day life at your school may or may not uh, represent the real world just just depending on how your department is run and also at academic centers you know you tend to see the sickest of the sick that's not necessarily um that's not necessarily what exactly that's not what you're going to see on a day-to-day just to give an example i mean i love renal physiology i thought nephrology was from a from a uh intellectual standpoint i thought it was the coolest thing because i was like well wow you have you know the henley's loop and you know you're you're listening you're thinking about the physiology what's going on but in practical uh application you're like wow oh i have to spend a lot of time in a dialysis unit oh i have to deal with people you know, uh-huh. losing limbs and things like that. And that's not necessarily the happiest environment. So I would, uh, yeah. So anyway, so after you pick what you're going to, if you, you know, I would shadow people before you decide. And if you have a parent that's in a certain field, okay. you know, I probably felt sorry for those people who had parents who were physicians in a certain field because I felt like their decision was predetermined for them. Mm-hmm. That's a true statement. It's like, no, you're going to be a urologist or you're going to be an ophthalmologist. And you never really got to experience, oh, well, I would like to be a general surgeon. Or I would like to be an orthopedic surgeon. So that kind of thing. Right. Your, your profession is what, top 2% of medical students get in? Yeah, 1%? you know, the statistics are all over the place, man. I mean, that's what they say. Dermatology, uh, it depends on if you look at the numbers. I think that the direct plastics is actually, it's called uh, the hardest thing to get into um, direct, meaning like, uh, so you can do plastic surgery where you do a general surgery fellowship, uh, and then you do plastic surgery, or you can do it where you um, you have a combined there. So dermatology is tough. It is, you got to be, you know, at the top to get in. It's what they say, you know, it's a... Uh, 
Creme so we, you know, it's it, but it's good. I think that puts dermatologists in a in a good position. You know, we do uh, we provide a great service to our communities, and uh, we have a a good, rewarding lifestyle because of that. Very good. So speaking of lifestyle, speaking of rewarding, what type of five or ten year goals do you have set for yourself, and how do you know if they're worthy of your pursuit? You know, like what gets what gets you excited for the future? Uh, well, what gets me excited for the future is uh, just just continuing to build. I've always had uh, some business interests. Uh, I think uh, you you might remember my favorite uh, magazine growing up was Entrepreneur Magazine. Uh, so you know, just. Uh, so in this next chapter, I'm enjoying this chapter that I'm in. Uh, one of the things I think about is is growing, uh, growing my practice and uh, building as a, a successful uh, dermatologist and Mohs surgeon. Uh, you know, five years from now, I would hope that uh, you know I would we you know we're well respected in the community and people look to us to treat their skin cancer. Uh, and then, you know, 10 years from now, I would hope that, you know, I'm a fixture, a pillar in, uh, in the community and, and, uh, and same well-respected and, and that we have an efficient practice and maybe we have, we've brought on some other members and, uh, we work together as a unit and a team and everybody buys in and we're, you know, we're sharing in the benefits of, uh, of practicing medicine together and, and reach and, and reaping all of the, the, uh, financial gains together and just the satisfaction of uh, of being a practice of dermatology and loving what we do, you know I think that uh, patients are done a disservice by practitioners, uh, providers who um, the provider that's like the new hot term, right? Because they don't know if it's you or it's a, a mid level or whatever. Uh, anyway, I think uh, they're done a disservice by people who do not enjoy what they do every day. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you have a, a, a pretty good well, bedside manner. You know, I, like I said, I, I have to let you be the judge of that. Uh, you know, you got to have the experience and then and see how it goes. I would hope, I think we strive to give a, an A-plus experience. We try to make sure we listen to people. You know, a common complaint is that the dermatologist doesn't spend enough time with me, so we make sure we sit down and we try to talk to them and let them, you know, answer any questions. I think I might ask you at every visit, do you have any more questions at least three times? So, Very good. Now, are you ready to switch gears completely? It is time. Let's do personal style. Some personal questions. You're hospital affiliated. How much vacation are you able to take? And is there a way to, to take more? Like, like so many doctors, I'll, I'll set it up for you, but a lot of doctors, they don't have enough time to get away from the clinic. Okay. So um, as far as time, you know, basically, unless you're a straight salary employee, you know, uh, you, the time away from clinic is... Uh, basically at your cost. I mean, even if they tell you, hey, you have four weeks paid vacation, if you never exceed your salary, then it's true, you do have four weeks paid vacation. So in my situation, we basically take off whenever we want. Um, I work four days a week because I think working four days a week is more efficient for my life than working five days a week. Um, you know, I have a young child at home, I have a 15 month old daughter, and I think uh, getting to spend that Friday afternoon with her is really invaluable. Friday all day with her is really invaluable, and I get the weekend as well. So we try to have four efficient uh, days. I start clinic at 7.30, um, and you know we, we do have a quote-unquote hour for lunch, but my team takes 30-minute lunch breaks, and uh, we try to do as much as we can in those four days. Uh, we work 40 in four rather than 40 in five days because it's more efficient. I think our team works harder because they appreciate having that third day 
off. Um, so as far as vacation goes, we can take as much as we want. I usually try to take about three weeks, three to four weeks a year. Um, I like long uh, weekends. So my wife and I do long weekends sometimes. Uh, like we went to Hot Springs, Arkansas uh, last week. I had a great time uh, on a camping trip with another friend of mine. And we roasted marshmallows and whatnot. I think that time away uh, from your practice is important because it's a mental reset. It's a break. It's, you know, it's, it's time with your family because you don't get that time with your family back. Right. Not everybody works in a hospital and knows how it works. So are you saying some hospitals, you are always a straight salary and other hospitals, maybe it's kind of based on productivity. And so they don't really dictate how much time you can take off because they don't have to because you're like, well, you're going to work harder. Right, so you exactly. Can make more so money basically we, um, you know, I have a quote unquote sal a base salary, but we're basically paid on productivity. So after okay. you exceed your base salary, you're, you're getting paid uh, on productivity. So basically if I were to work less, you know, if I were to work less, I would then in turn earn less. So, um, you know, some, some uh, positions like a uh, hospitalist and, uh, or just some, even some dermatologists, if you have a 100%, like if you work at the VA, if you're a 100% employed person and it doesn't matter how many patients you see, whether you see 30 in a day or if you see 10 a day, then, you know, obviously there's going to be some uh, differences there because the incentives are different. So you can take off six weeks if you know, hey, if you're making X, if you're making $100,000, you're going to make that same $100,000 where you take four weeks off, six weeks off or 10 weeks off. You know, there might not be uh, motivation to uh, to do more there. I, right, I exactly. The so, that, that. so <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, I think your vacations cat. are more. You're, all right. Six it's weeks. Like you're not on maternity leave, dude. Get over yourself. Uh, so I think that. Um, <laughs> That's right. Right. I'm so right. stressed. Was, I think that they were like, hey, we don't want to hear about a long <laughs> mental health holiday if uh, if you're, you know, you're you're barely covering what it costs to have you. So. Uh, so I think any situation where you're not being exactly. paid on productivity, they would probably want to, you know, there's a hard cap on your vacation. Whereas if you're, you know, if you're in a system that rewards productivity, they, as long as you cover yourself, they really do not care how much vacation time you take, because basically the less time you take, the less money they have to uh, pay you. Right. Right. Okay. What, what preoccupies your mind besides your your well, job. I have a 15-month-old daughter, so that takes up uh, a good uh, majority of uh, both my time and my uh, my wife's time. Um, so, you know, family time is probably the number one thing that preoccupies my, t- my uh, time. I try to get home to them and spend time with them. I, I do think um, that uh, these are times that, you know, your daughter may not remember them, but I think they're affected uh, long, long time. You're, you're your daughter, your son, whomever, they may not remember all of them, especially when they're very young, but these are times that you cherish, times that you'll never get back. So I try to get home to them. Uh, also have some business interests. So I'm always, uh, you know, looking at uh, the business side of things, trying to think about things that uh, that would help me uh, get to the next level. Um, I'm, you know, I uh, think about things that, that how, can, how can I set myself up for the future? Uh, sustainable things, uh, you know, I've been uh, debating uh, if I should get an MBA, uh, and I think I, I may uh, end up doing that. So that way, it's just, I just want to have another notch in my belt. So that way, if I decide to pivot uh, in the middle of my course, then I have another thing that I can rely on to do things. Absolutely. I mean, I have friends that have decided to go another route, and they've realized their degree is good, but it doesn't give you the management qualifications. So they had to go back and, and 
do online right. school while they're doing their other job and so that they can pr- pursue those other passions. And so sounds like you're, you got a four day work week. You prioritize in your family. Are there any other ways to have a home and work life balance? Ha, well, I mean, I think that's the, uh, I think that's something that, uh, at least I struggle with. I'm trying to get to a point where I ha- I think I have a good uh, home work life balance uh, mixture. You know, I enjoy spending time outdoors. Uh, I have, you know, we have a dog, and I-, I like to take her for runs and you know long walks in the park and whatnot. Yesterday we walked in the snow for three or four miles. So you know, just uh, trying. It's it's hard to find that work life balance. I think it's important though because you never get those years back and. As we uh, get older, I think you know the things that become more and more important are the time that you, the experiences that we have are are the most important. So, okay, okay, you're married. What can you do to keep the love alive and feel connected? I think uh, so. I think you spend time together, man. I think uh, making time, taking that time out to uh, do things with your spouse, like last night. You know, we we had uh, just like family night out. We just went, you know, went to a restaurant. We just talked and just had a good time. Um, we usually try to do date night at least once a week uh, and spend that time together. Gets to do things and support each other and try to talk as uh, as much as we can uh, to uh, you know do. Uh, spend time together and you know make sure that we are keeping checks and balances on our relationship to make sure we're in a good a good place uh, and we're happy with what each other's doing and doing things that will you know kind of free up time for each other so that way we can have that time to spend together man and like uh, like you know she went to she enjoys um, reading books and whatnot so you know sometimes we just have quiet time uh, where my daughter's sleeping she's reading a book and I'm you know, doing whatever, you know, I may, uh, I may take the dog for an extended period of time or whatnot. But anyway, just, I think just keeping the lines of communication open mm-hmm. is big. Cause I think in our lives now where everybody's always attached to their phone, uh, like we don't have phones at the dinner table in my house, you know, because there's not anything so important that it can't wait. How long does it take to eat dinner? It doesn't take, it doesn't take 15 minutes. Um, you know, obviously now surgery nights, I do try to answer the phone, but it's rare that it actually rings by the time when I'm having dinner. Right. Now, do y'all cook together and, and those do. types of things and, and grocery shop and just try to find those small things together? Uh, that Does certainly that help that helps. Uh, we do cook together. We enjoy uh, cooking. Um, so one of the things we stumbled upon was we use uh, the Blue Apron Food Service. And uh, Blue Apron has uh, been helping us out because basically everything's planned for you. You got a meal, the meal's planned. There's usually, you know, some uh, some prep work. We do that prep work together and then cook that uh, food. And it's a homemade meal. Mm-hmm. It's healthy and everything was, pre- oh, we had all the ingredients. We didn't have to run around the grocery store and try to figure out this, that, and the third. It's like a sense of accomplishment together too. It's right. A small so, thing. I mean, and that's important. And then our, our young uh, daughter also watches, you know, she's in the kitchen while we're preparing dinner and, you know, she's watching us and, um, you know, she's usually playing around. So anyway, it's just good family time. Very good. Very good. All right. We got a few more questions to wrap up. They're just going to be more fun questions. So uh, loosen up the tie and let's just have some good times here. Do you have a morning or a lunch routine that grounds you or excites you for the rest of the day? Uh, it's still a work in progress, man. My, I would love my morning routine to be going to the gym uh, at current. Sometimes I go to the gym in the morning. Sometimes I go to the gym uh, in the afternoon. I think uh, one routine we have is basically, you know, we always take a family walk together in the evenings, uh, provided it's not, you know, 20 degrees outside uh, or raining. Uh, so, you know, just uh, I get up every morning. I do sit-ups every morning and try to uh, get ready for my day. Uh, you know, just try to keep uh, mentally sharp. 
Yeah, man, I'm a morning person. You know, I get up at four uh, in the morning, generally speaking, so that way I can uh, that way I can get the you know get things done and get my day uh, on with. That's basically you know four to I guess four to six thirty in the morning. That's probably the only time I have really to myself where everybody in the house is sleeping and whatnot. So and I can do what I want. So. Are you doing like meditation or is this kind of when you walk your dog and no nah, man my wa- like- I, didn't, I don't meditate but my wife does uh, she loves it you know she uh, she loves meditation I uh, you know I'm, I'm usually I just just have that quiet time to think when I'm walking my dog and whatnot just think about what my next thing is what what projects I have going on what things I need to do what you know uh, you know I you know sometimes I talk to my friends in the morning just things like that so just kind of relaxing okay do you have a uh, real quick switching gears back to to work again? Do you have staff meetings or things like that? And how do you how did you create staff that were you know quality? How do you find those guys? Are they hired or do you train them? It's uh, I think it's it's great to hire quality people. It's uh, it can be difficult uh, to get those right personnel after until you get some experience. Um, you know, we try to stress what the job is. You know, we don't. Uh, I don't undersell it. I tell people, you know, listen, you're gonna work hard. You know, we work four days. It's it's hard work. It's a lot of you know. It's a lot of taking care of business and making sure that we um, are are serving our patients' needs. So if you uh, and it's a fast paced job, fast paced but not rushed. So we want efficient service, but we don't want rushed service. We want the patient to make sure that they have a fantastic experience and they're they're you know they're doing pretty good okay do you have a favorite book blog podcast that you secretly love and one that you'd more likely recommend to other people uh yeah i guess uh well you know i'm a sports person so uh i do love listening to the uh a bunch of espn shows uh pardon the interruption 30 minutes i, I mean i make sure like if i'm gonna listen to a podcast i only get 30 minutes pardon the interruption is it i get my sports snippet like that that's pretty good um kind of a off the off the uh, one that you might not think of uh, I, I like uh, greek mythology that stems back from high school days and high school quiz bowl i've always loved greek mythology and uh, Science Olympiad, all that stuff. It stems back from those days. I've always loved Greek mythology. So there's a, a, a mythology podcast that I subscribe to that comes out once a week. And they just, you know, tell stories. And it's at the guy's interpretation. And I, I think they do a, a, a really good job of it. Anything else? I felt like I cut you off. Yeah, no no worries. I mean, so from a podcast thing, basically usually either sports. Uh, there's the, uh, the Greek mythology thing. Um, you know, it's just... Those, those are the kind of things that, you know, there's only 24 hours in a day. And unfortunately, you have to spend about seven of them sleeping. So, uh, you know, any, you know, I do feel like almost every hour of every day is, uh, is taken up. But I do try to take that time for myself. I, I love listening to sports podcasts. I listen to them whenever I'm walking around, uh, just in the hospital or whatnot, or when I'm driving to work. So it's fantastic. What's your go-to sport? Uh, well, you know, I think football is king. It's the most popular sport in America. Uh, I'm a Patriots fan. I love me some Tom Brady. Uh, you know, uh, we could debate it, but I, you even know, after for all, all the drama, even after man, come on now. I mean, we're, we're talking about deflated I mean, he was football. Squeezing a ball like a Nerf yeah. ball. Like, yes. Like, come okay. On. Yeah. So it was. <laughs> he was throwing. Was he throwing defa- deflated footballs? Really in the in that game when the balls were quote unquote properly inflated, he put up more points, had more yards. Anyway, so uh, he was probably using you know. a high school ball size too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think those balls are the same size as the NFL, but whatever. So, uh, no, I think I like the Patriots. I think it's a world-run organization. I think um, I think they have some business principles that uh, that you could look at, and it's consistency. You know, it's uh, you know it's cons- 
uh, it's creating a consistent experience. You asked me if we have s- staff meetings. We have staff meetings, and we not- there isn't anything in our office that is left up to chance. So when people answer the phone, they answer the phone a specific way. When people um, have to return a patient call, there's a script that they answer. There are anticipated questions from a patient standpoint and how to answer them. So we don't leave things up to chance. We, we try to make sure that we are uh, given a consistent experience. Very nice. And you have handouts and things like that for certain conditions so you don't have Correct. to keep saying so, the same stuff right, every so day? We don't, right. So we're not going to reinvent the wheel. You know, you treat, uh, when I treat acne, I would say I treat acne, um, depending on the severity of the acne. If it's, you know, if it's moderate acne, I treat moderate acne the same time, the same way almost every time unless, you know, the patient's allergic to something or has had a bad experience with a certain product or something like that. So, but yeah. So streamlining. Yeah, streamline, man. I mean, that's just efficient. You want we want things to be efficient, and that's that's what we Agreed. try to do. So, I mean, I had the same thing with re. I mean, we do rehab instead of you know acne treatments, but it was the same way. It's like you got a low back problem, boom. Here's phase one. Here's phase two. Go. You know. Right. Exactly. It made it, it, made so. it easy, and it's, it's the the things that people need. You know. Yeah. So turning back to your modify. Previous, right. Turning back to your previous question on how to help people be successful, I think. You need to set up your system. You look at the, the, some of the best run, best run clinics in your specialty. There's all these ideas out there. And you, can, and you can find out about things that can make your office more efficient, such as our call button. You, know, you come up with a script. You try to anticipate problems and streamline it. Do the things that you can do. And you don't like I'm a, um, a little bit of a, a control freak and I like to know everything and have my hands on everything. Well, the problem with, you know, the problem with that is the more control, while you want to con- quote unquote control everything, you know, you can't do everything because there's only so many hours in a day. So what you have to do is you have to empower your people to be um, responsible for what they're doing and make sure that they understand why they're doing. We do a lot of teaching in our office. Everybody knows okay. why, why did I use, uh, why did I use this certain type of suture? Or why, why, why did I do this process this way? Why do we wait uh, after we anesthetize somebody, you know, people understand those things. And if training of the staff is a big deal, if you train them well, then it will reward you for years and years to come. That makes sense. And I, I tell people every day, take what these doctors are saying on these, these podcasts and put them into your own clinic. These last couple of minutes. I mean, that's, that's goldmine right there. All right. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Last question. You ready? I'm ready. What is your favorite phone app? It could be business our pleasure. Uh, well, man, I feel like I'm starting to sound like <laughs> an ESPN commercial. Uh, I mean, that's... Uh, You're a commercial you know, for a lot of like, things. I, like, hope, right. I hope they listen and will just sponsor <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, maybe we'll show. get you some sponsorships, oh, we man. Got we'll get you. We've got right. this... Um, this Right. So uh, ESPN. Right. Yeah. The uh, so probably I probably use the ESPN app uh, second most. uh, Yeah, probably the most of my non texting or uh, phone apps on my phone Uh, and just apps that make you more efficient. So like I don't carry those um, those little cards they give you at the restaurant or not at the restaurant, at the grocery store, at the auto parts store. I don't carry any of those cards with me. They make apps that can scan the barcode. So I use those, you know, so I just have my life in my phone. My phone case has my, you know, my phone case has a secret compartment on it. So it can hold my license and my credit card and whatnot. So I just grab my phone and go. I don't even, you know, like I haven't carried my wallet on me in, in, in months. Okay, so we know where to attack. Correct. But good luck getting my, you know, the only time my phone is actually not on my person is when I'm at home and I'm trying to have that family time. My phone is on the charger or in another room or something like that. 
Well, that's amazing. Well, you have any final thoughts? Yeah, man. I just want to uh, tell you I, I appreciate you for having me as a guest. Uh, I think this is a, the Doctor's Perspective is a great podcast. I look forward to uh, listening to many of your other episodes and such as your your very guest. I really like how you're spanning the. Uh, the spectrum of doctors, you know, uh, I know you had a pharmacist on, uh, other car- fellow chiropractors. I know you have an optometrist that's going to be on. So I'm excited. I'm a fan. I, I look forward to subscribing a doctor's perspective uh, podcast. I hope I get that free T-shirt for being a guest. I look forward to that. Oh, uh, snap. So. <laughs> you put it out there. Hey, guys, I'm putting it out there. You know, I, I heard a rumor that we were going to get free T-shirts for being a guest. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping that... I'm uh, still working on it. I'm still I, working on it. <laughs> I get no that promises. in the mail. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, I'm hoping I can this get guy. that in the mail. And yeah, man, just looking forward to to watching your podcast build. And I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a great addition to... Just getting different uh, people's perspectives from, you know, people who are new in the industry or people who have been doing things a long time. And I look forward to it. I really appreciate it. That's some really good encouragement. And I, and I think I think it's going to happen. I think it will happen. People will be able to learn a lot and change their lives, their personal life, their business life and really succeed. So I really appreciate your time. You've been a fantastic guest. And um, congratulations on your new daughter and many successes in the, this coming year. All right, man. Thank you. Uh, thank you again for having me, I guess. You have a good one. That was fun. What a good sport. Good interview. Made me laugh, especially at the end. You've got some good resources, I believe. Thank you so much for being on the show. You can find all of today's show notes at a doctorsperspective.net slash zero one. Like I said in the beginning, definitely critically think about what he said How can you implement it into your clinic and have better outcomes than you have in right now? Business life and your family life. Again, stay tuned. Travel tip is coming up next. I almost forgot. I am putting the final touches on a free ebook that I want to give to you guys and gals. Please go to doctorsperspective.net, top, side, the bottom. There's all kinds of places where you can sign up. Put your email and your name for updates. Once the book is complete, I will send you a email and then you can download it. It is going to be my secret hacks about health, weight loss, strengthening the spine, different things like that. It's very actionable. It's implementable. And it's not only can you use it, but also your patients. So go on over to a doctorsperspective.net, sign up, and you'll be the first to know when that ebook is ready for downloads. I am quite active on social media, and the easiest way to connect is to head over to adoctorsperspective.net. Look at the top right, and you will see all the social media icons. Just pick your flavor and friend me. I found out in practice that people can hardly pronounce Trosclair, much less spell it. Because of that, and username lack of availability, I have a mix of my name and Cajun Cairo. I'm from South Louisiana, aka Cajun Country. I am a Cajun. I am a chiropractor. Cajun Cairo. You will find travel photos, updates, fun comments, etc. Connect, comment, and I'll respond back. Today's travel tip, how to spot local restaurant. If you're traveling, whether it's a different city, a different country, some people just want to go to the big box regular restaurants. However, I want to eat something local. And one way to do that is if you're driving around and you notice around lunchtime that there are a bunch of cars in the parking lot, safe to say, they probably have good food. Even in a foreign country, you can look around and see the restaurants that have a lot of people that look, you know, different than you and also don't really look like a tourist. It sounds simple because it is simple. 
and hopefully the menu will be in your language so that you can order it. If not, you can do what I do, kind of walk around the restaurant, peek at their plates, and, you know, it's fine. And just tell your waitress or your waiter, I want that. I want that. And they get it because that's what they do for a living. Happy travels. We just went hashtag behind the curtain, and this episode has come to an end. I hope you got the right dose for your optimal life. Please spread the word about this podcast by telling two friends, sharing on social media, and visit the show notes on adoctorsperspective.net to see all the references from today's guest. A sincere thank you in advance. You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trosclair, giving you a doctor's perspective.